Welcome to episode 26 of the Running on Ohm podcast. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I'm excited to have Izzy Darby, food blogger, vegan, and Russian aficionado on the podcast. Izzy has been vegan since 2010 and was inspired to start her blog, Veganism, when she moved into her first apartment with a real kitchen during her first year at University of Wisconsin. Izzy currently works at Yelp and Madison and as a Russian translator. In this episode, we discuss why Izzy became vegan after reading Jonathan Safran Foyer's book, Eating Animals. Izzy shares her experiences studying abroad in Russia and her special series of Russian recipes called My Babushka's Recipes. She gives the listeners a feel for the Madison restaurant scene and her plans on collaborating with restaurant owners in 2014. Lastly, Izzy shares her inspirations, ranging from her favorite blogs to Ellen DeGeneres. I hope you enjoy the show. Om. Welcome, Izzy, to the Running on Ohm podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. What were you just cooking? Um, so my new obsession, uh, you may have seen this on Facebook, is uh, making open-faced sandwiches. And so I was just sort of going through my kitchen like a mad woman making a million different open-faced sandwiches um, there was one that was avocado with Granny Smith apple and Dijon mustard. There was one that was mashed up roasted sweet potato with sriracha. Um, my kitchen is an enormous mess right now. There's, there's stuff everywhere. Sounds yummy. So backing up a bit, how long have you been a vegan? Um, I've been a vegan for a little over four years. Um, yeah, I think January 2010. And what inspired you to become one? Um, I actually went vegan, uh, from being a total meat eater omnivore. Um, and I read a book, uh, called Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran Foyer, um, that really changed my perspective on sort of where food comes from, why it's important to think about that, how it all fits into our culture and, um, I just started from that point on being much more mindful about what I was eating. And, um, I live in Wisconsin, which the license plates say America's Dairyland. Um, and that totally rings true, but it also is a very vibrant place to be vegan. Strangely enough, because there's so much growing, except for in the dead of winter <laughs> right now. Um, but, you know, there's such a wide variety of different fruits and vegetables and a lot of access to really good produce. So it was also a great opportunity to dig into that and sort of experiment with cooking and take advantage of a lot of really fresh, really great ingredients. When you read the book, was it an overnight decision that you were going to become vegan or was it a gradual phasing out in your diet? Um, it was actually really like an overnight decision not even overnight within the course of a few hours I was reading the book and I just kind of had my eyes open and it seemed sort of um stereotypical or sort of trite to say you know my eyes were open and my life changed forever but for me it was really true um that I was reading this book and I just sort of had my perspective changed um first of all Safran Fire is a great writer and is known mainly for his fiction, but that sort of made it a little bit easier for me almost than, 
you know, seeing like a PETA campaign, which I think I, I just personally don't really align with those, but I think that he had such a sort of neutral approach to the whole thing and really tried to um, approach the question of um, how we should think about meat. Um, and you know, he starts off the book, I'm not sure if you read it, he starts off the book um, talking about how his grandmother would um, always cook her one dish of, I think it was um, chicken with carrots and potatoes. And it was like the most plain but absolutely delicious and signature like grandma dish that was passed down from generations in his family. And um, how like, there had always been this place at the table for me. And it was just like a cultural thing and um, how he had never really questioned that. And then, you know, he went through college and was on and off vegetarian because it was like the cool thing to do when you're in your 20s and being, I don't know, sort of adventurous. And then he went back to meat every time. And um, but he also sort of expanded on that question and he went and did a lot of research with um, different types of farmers and um, activists and researchers and scientists and like had this really holistic look at whether our bodies need meat and how if there is a way to sustainably um sort of ethically eat meat and you know I've talked to a number of people over the years who've read this book and I think that a lot of people have had different reactions to it I don't think that it's like you eat this all my friends are afraid of reading it because they're like I'm gonna read this book and be vegan and I'm like well you know people have different responses to it um I think that it's possible to read it and sort of walk away and say okay there's that sort of food for thought but I don't necessarily need to change how I eat but for me it was very polarizing and I suddenly was completely on the other side of um I don't know, the coin. I don't know where that metaphor is going. But I mean, I just, I saw it completely differently and was, um, from then on, felt like I, there wasn't a way that I could eat meat. Um, and, you know, I think that I've had a lot of people raise questions like, what about ethically raised meat, um, sustainably raised meat, local meat? And for me, it just, it was a black and white um, issue that I just felt like I didn't want to um, I didn't want to include meat or animal products in my diet anymore. And so that was sort of the catalyst for being, um, for being vegan. And then from there, I really wholeheartedly accepted the challenge of trying to find what to eat. And, you know, my, I grew up and I would say that my family liked to cook. Um, my mom definitely had her signature dishes, but I was never really into cooking um, but as soon as I adopted this challenge of figuring out how to feed myself, because that's what it really was, it was no longer the convenience of having everything at my fingertips. It was like, if I need to get a certain amount of nutrients, minerals, protein, the big question, which everyone's always asking protein, um, that I really wanted to do it myself and I wanted to teach myself how to do it. Um, so yeah, I started my blog um, the beginning of my sophomore year of college, which is it was about 10 months after I started being vegan. And again, it was a lot about trials and tribulations with 
learning how to cook and learning how to be vegan and learning how to feed myself so that my body is nourished. And um, similar to you, I'm um, an avid runner and love to exercise and love to move and feel best when I'm moving. And I wanted to be able to feed myself so that I wasn't constantly hungry because I think that um, a lot of people think that being vegan means you have to eat 600 pounds of kale every day in order to be full. And so I was really invested in sort of figuring out how to do that in a way that worked well for me. With your blog, what has been the recipe that has been the most popular? Uh, That's a tough one. Um, You know, I've been writing the blog for three and a half years, almost three and a half years. Um, And over time, there are sort of some that ebb and flow. I think the desserts are always super popular because there's nothing more sort of enticing and sexy than a chocolate cake. Um, But there have been a a few surprising ones. Like, um, I actually studied abroad in Russia for eight months, my junior year of college, and um, I had a whole section of my blog when I was there devoted to my host grandmother's recipes. And she was, I mean, she was wonderful. I talked to her the other day on Skype. Um, and she, you know, like that's, that's like a whole other can of worms to talk about my experience in Russia, but she was amazing. And I explained to her when I got there that, you know, I didn't eat meat. I don't eat dairy. I don't eat eggs. And she called me crazy, but then came around to it and was like, okay, well, what, what can you eat? And sort of working together, we came up with some food that she knew how to make borscht cabbage soup, sort of different, um, she made a lot of different potato dishes, because potatoes <laughs> potatoes and beets are a big thing in Russia, um, but so I, I would sort of take her recipes um, and take the veganized versions and post them on my blog, and I still have people today that sometimes write me and say, you know, I'm making your babushka's split pea soup tonight, or, um, you know, I made borscht last week. And it's, it's so mind-blowing to me to have people from all corners of the world and the internet sort of, like, telling me that these recipes are useful to them and that they make them over and over. Because to me, it's still, like, this little tiny thing that only my mom and grandma read. Um, In Russia, what was your experience traveling as a vegan? Um, I think that the number one thing... The number one piece of advice that I would give to anyone traveling is to be flexible. And when I went there, I brought um, I brought a bunch of nutritional yeast. I brought a bunch of um, you know my favorite things that I knew I wouldn't be able to um, get there. I brought kale with me, which amazingly I got through the checkpoint in Germany. The Germans were like, "What is that?" But they let me through, and I brought like a big bundle of kale with me, and. Um, you know, I sort of prepared myself, and then the number one thing that let me survive there was being flexible and recognizing that going to another country, um, it's not really anyone's place, in my opinion, to say, you know, I'm I'm a raw vegan who is, like, demanding my type of food because, um, you know, if you go to another culture, it's important to be adaptable and uh, be willing to try their food. And, um, you know, when I was there, I tried a couple of, I never ate meat, but I tried a couple of things that I felt, um, I'd be missing out on if I never tried. 
Um, and I think that, I don't know. I think that I definitely ate plenty of like nuts and dried fruit when I was there. Um, if only because I was on a 40 hour train ride and the only thing that I could eat was, were those things. Those are the only things available. Um, but I got really good at sort of planning ahead and being smart and recognizing that, you know, the average Russian train station, um, like tiny little mini mart is not going to have something very vegan friendly. So I got good about just anticipating that and traveling with what I needed and being open-minded about it. In Madison, what is the restaurant scene there like and what is your favorite restaurant to go to and why? Um, the restaurant scene here is great actually. Um, as I mentioned to you before, I work for Yelp and this is not a shameless plug for Yelp, but actually speaking to the fact that I work with a lot of restaurant owners and um, have really had my eyes open even more to the amazing restaurant scene here. Um, Madison is sort of a liberal oasis in um, a pretty, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to say this in a very diplomatic way, in an area of the country that doesn't have a lot of like um, special diets and there aren't a million vegetarians, um, you know, compared to other areas of the East Coast growing up in Boston. Um, I went to LA last year and was like, what is going on? Everyone here is vegan. Um, but yeah, I mean, Madison definitely is progressive and has a good number of vegetarian friendly restaurants, vegan friendly restaurants. Um, again, flexibility. I've gotten really good at going to a restaurant and saying, is it possible to get this without the this and this? Can you add this? And, um, most places are super accommodating. There's a grand total of one vegetarian restaurant called the Green Owl. Um, and yeah, I think that I, I eat a ton of Asian and South Asian, Southeast Asian food. Um, there's a really amazing Lao restaurant not too far from where I live that I go to all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I think that mainly I love to cook for myself and I cook probably nine times out of 10, um, or more. And then every once in a while I indulge and get loud food. I saw on your blog that you love chickpeas. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so I love chickpeas. I started that little section on my blog um, my sophomore year, uh, about five or six months into writing the blog. Um, just sort of as a joke with some friends. Um, it was coming from the, the song, uh, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. And I was like hanging out with some of my friends and I was like, 50 ways to love a chickpea. And thought it was like I like I thought it was hilarious. My friends thought it was like kind of funny, and I was like, "That is hilarious." And um, so I, I decided to make it like an ongoing series on my blog. I'd sort of been looking for something that would make my blog a little bit different, something that I could really get behind. And you know, I decided it's a really versatile food that is a factor in some of my favorite um, cuisine, which is. Um, sort of Middle Eastern food. I grew up in Watertown, which has a wide array of, like, Armenian markets. 
Um, and so I grew up eating like hummus and tabbouleh um, and like chickpea salads from Iraq's market in Watertown. And like um, to this day, like crave that food. And whenever I go home, I eat that. And so, um, yeah, chickpeas are one of my absolute favorite foods. And I think that they're very, um, very malleable and a very neutral food that you can make much more than just hummus um, or falafel with. And so, like, my most recent recipe, I believe, was um, these, like, peanut butter chocolate chickpea cookies, um, which are delicious. I'm ashamed to say they're delicious, and I eat them all very quickly. Um, and, yeah, so that's sort of where that came from. What inspires your recipes? How do you come up with new creations? Um... Honestly, most of the time it has to do with what food I have in the house. I wish that I could say, like, I had this amazing dream journal of, like, recipes I want to make, which I, I kind of do. I have, like, a sticky note on my computer that has all the things that I've thought up and want to make my own. Um, a lot of my inspiration comes from other blogs, um, sometimes cookbooks, but very often things I find on the Internet. And I say, you know, I like what they're doing, but I want to make that a little bit differently um, add my own flair, add some chickpeas to it. Um, but most of the time it honestly comes with like, I'm in the grocery store, something's on sale. I buy a bunch of that and then say, how can I use these six cans of black beans? And that's sort of how it happens. Like a lot of times it's trial and error. There are many, many things that do not end up on the blog. Like, way too many to count. <laughs> um, but that's, that's a big thing about being a food blogger too, that like you have to be able to put a bunch of time and effort and, um, I don't know, love and hate and all the stuff into making a recipe. And then it turns out horribly. And so you either eat it or make your boyfriend eat it or throw it out <laughs> and you start over and just have to sort of let it be. What is the blog that inspires you the most? What is your go-to blog to look for? Um, you know, I really love the blog um, Oh She Glows. Uh, yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, just because I remember finding that when I was a new vegan, I came across that, and it's still it's so funny to me. Like, I remember coming across some of these blogs four years ago and they were like completely different than they are now and they were sort of funny looking and not organized very nicely. Now they're all these blogs that are like really popular and have, you know, hundreds or hundreds of thousands of followers and um, that was one of them that I remember following like in probably 2009 or 2010 and um, I think that she just does an amazing job coming up with really creative recipes has great photography and so oftentimes I'll come I'll come across something on her website and it will spark something in my own mind where I'm like yeah I would love to make some falafel but instead of making them that way I'm gonna make something completely different and just also call it falafel or insert menu item I don't know whatever it is but um I love Oshi Glows I let's see um, oftentimes, actually, 
what will happen is I will think of something that I feel like making and then I'll, you know, search for it on Google. And so let's say it's um, black bean brownies. I've had these, I've been trying to make the perfect black bean brownie for like two months now. And I've really stubbornly been not posting it because I want the perfect one before I put the recipe up. Um, and so I, like, I, would, I would Google vegan black bean brownies and I would read the recipe for the first five results and sort of see what the common, lowest common denominator is and say, okay, well, I need black beans, I need maple syrup, I need oats or whatever it is and then take sort of a weird combination of those recipes, add something in to make it my own, like maybe it's cinnamon which I've tried and is not that good, but you know, different, different things and, um, just kind of experiment. And I try to post probably the top third of all recipes that I make. I have so many, like my cameras right here. I have so many pictures that go into this thing that never see the light of someone's computer. Like they are just lost forever. Um, but, yeah, I think that um, uh, the Post-Punk Kitchen is another one of the oldest vegan online resources around. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I have, um, I have a short list on my blog called Blogs That I Like. Um, what is your hope for your blog? Would, your, would you like someone to become vegan from reading your blog? Um, no, I would say that my hope is to inspire someone to replace a meal a week with something vegan. Um, you know, I, I've had a lot of people that I know personally, a lot of people that I've met through friends or friends of friends who say, you know, I read your blog and I made your chili last week. And every time that someone says it to me, it blows my mind because I, I was saying this to you that, like, in my head, it's still something that I, like, I'm sitting, I'm sitting on my computer writing and, like, chuckling to myself, and then I press publish, and I forget about it because it's, like, I really, truly write it because I enjoy it. Um, and any time that someone reaches out and says, I tried one of your recipes, and... I loved it, or I tried one of your recipes, and my meat-eating parents thought it was great. Like, that is the absolute highest compliment that I can ever receive, because that is purely why I do it. Aside from the fact that I love to write, and I get a lot of satisfaction out of having one place to just record all of my recipes and weird thoughts, um, <laughs> that I just love being able to spread veganism in a very... Um, what I hope is accessible way. Who is one person living or dead that you would love the opportunity to meet? I think I would really like to meet Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, it's like, I mean, seriously, not just because she's vegan, but because she is an inspirational female figure. I think she's hilarious. Um, I just, I think that she is a fantastic person and would love to spend 10 minutes talking to her because I'd probably just be peeing my pants by the end of it. What is ahead for 2014? What is, 
exciting for your blog, your own personal life? Um, so, let's see. Um, I'm starting uh, very soon. Date to be decided, but like maybe next week. Um, a new series where I am going to interview a bunch of uh, local vegan-friendly businesses in Madison. Um, I... I want to be like, it's a secret at the first one, but I don't think that's to be a secret. People of the universe can know. Um, uh, tomorrow I'm meeting with the owner of a local bakery called Bloom Bake Shop. Um, the owner is a really awesome woman, and she makes um, a bunch of vegan and gluten-free uh, baked goods. She makes these literally the best cupcakes I've ever had. Um, and... Uh, so I'm sitting down with her, and I'm going to sort of find out what how she ticks, what inspires her. Um, I'm going to steal some of the questions you're asking me, because these have all been great. Um, <laughs> like, just sort of get um, a perspective on why she chooses to include um, vegan and gluten-free options next to her regular baked goods, and... Um, just sort of like I hope to keep doing that around Madison um, and just celebrate veganism because as I was saying before, it's really, it's up and coming in many, many ways. But I think um, compared to other cities, it's, uh, it's not quite there on the vegan and vegetarian front or special diets front altogether. Um, and so I think that, I, be, I think that I'm the only vegan blogger in the city um and I think that just to sort of take the very small amount of uh pull that I have but be able to sort of take that and um celebrate these people who are celebrating veganism um so that will be a sort of an ongoing thing this year what do you distinguish is the difference between plant-based and vegan? Are those different to you, those terms? Um, I think they, I think in some ways they are, in some ways they aren't. Um, I think that being plant-based is more, more oriented toward, um, eating whole foods and having sort of a deeper connection with what you're eating and really trying to get nutrients from plants and eating plants in a sort of a more whole form. Um, and I think, I mean, I know tons of people that I've come in contact with personally and through the internet that are Oreo vegans. Um, that is to say that they're vegan, but have absolutely no, um, no real stake in eating whole plant foods. Um, that yes, in theory, they don't eat animal products or meat, but I just think that the vegan is such a strange um, title in some ways because I think that some people see vegan as very disarming um, and I think that you can... It, it's, a, it's a label at the end of the day. People will stop themselves with the label vegan um, and eat ramen and Oreos for three meals a day. Um, and for me, I sort of try to strike a middle ground between um, 
what's labeled as plant-based and what's labeled as vegan because there are definitely tons of blogs and tons of people um, that I've come in contact with who um, really care deeply about um, eating whole foods that are nutritious and, you know, in a form as close to raw as possible or as close to their whole form as possible, um, which I certainly agree with. And I think that, you know, I have a very strong interest in nutrition too, and I've taken some courses on it, um, which don't claim to be any kind of expert. Um, but I think, you know, eating as close as possible to um, a plant's whole natural form is just a good rule of thumb. Um, but at the same time, I think that plenty of people should make cake if they feel like it or, um, I don't know, like people should be able to live their lives and not be like, I need to chew on a whole kale leaf and then like, I don't know, juice eight times a day. Like, I think that there's a good middle ground. And I think, again, a big part of my blog is being accessible and I don't want it to be this scary, terrifying, like health overdose all the time. Where did the Z, Z in your blog's name come from? Oh, it's a pun on Izzy. Oh, very clever. Awesome. To close up our interview, I have a few either-or questions. Okay. Apples or oranges? Apples. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Smoothies or juices? Smoothies. Mountains or oceans? Both. Thanks, Izzy, for sharing your words and all things vegan on the Running on Om podcast. Thanks very much for having me. This has been lovely. Thanks for listening to episode 26 of the Running on Om podcast with Izzy Darby, food blogger, vegan, and Russian aficionado. Check out runningonom.com for links to Izzy's sites. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.